Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Liam, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, George. Hello. And Grant. Hello there, music fans. Each episode of Flawless, a host or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless, and we talk about how they discovered it, why they love it, and at the end of the episode, we decide if we agree that it's flawless. So the big exciting news is that we now have a Facebook group where you can join us to talk about all the things that you find flawless and just talk about the albums with us and really keep the conversation going. So you can find the link to that in our show notes because we do not have a smart URL for it just yet, but hopefully we will soon. And you can give us grief if you don't agree. You absolutely can. People already have begun Please. doing that. So that, that would be awesome. And because George, because Grant, I should say, is nominating this episode's album, I will now throw it over to Grant. Thank you very much, Liam. And what a, a privilege and a pleasure it is to be uh, discussing tonight's album. It is uh, one of the older albums. I think, George, you still have the record for the oldest album circa 1955. Was it yeah. from memory? Yeah, that's the run. Chet Baker. Um, Chet Baker um, sings, is it? Um, yeah. This one dates back to 1969, released on, interestingly, the 22nd of October uh, in the US by a group called Led Zeppelin. You need Yes, please. Thank you. It is, of course, <laughs> Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, John Bonham, and John Paul Jones. Um, off Atlantic Records, it was the follow-up album um, from Led Zeppelin 1, uh, which was released within uh, the 12 months prior. So these guys were, uh, they were workhorses. So um, it's Led Zeppelin 2. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy the discussion. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure this is the one that I get across the line. So I, I was wondering you. if you were going to say the name of the album there. You were just like, you know, there's so much. <laughs> Led Zeppelin 2. so much info. Led Zeppelin 2. I know, I love how original, original they are with the wording. Like, you know, name. A lot of thought. One, two, three, four. <laughs> like, which, which is your favorite? And you're yeah. like, there you go. Mm. Mind you, I guess the Beatles had like the blue album. No, Weezer had the blue mm -hmm. album and the green album. The Be yes. Beatles well, had the white album, right? They still, Weezer, Weezer have still been doing it. They're, they've got blue and green and white and they just keep doing it. I think like every second or third album, they just call it after themselves. There you go. And they don't even there put a number go. on it, so. <laughs> awesome. And there are there many colours in the rainbow where you could, you might run. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, but when you get to mauve, I think you need to hang up your guitar. Yeah. <laughs> what about um, fuchsia? But, but <laughs> or chartreuse? Yes, oh, look at you go. Oh, um, yes. Goodness me, but you've gone <laughs> of, of the albums, you yes. went to Led Zeppelin 2. Correct. And since you were nowhere near a twinkle in an eye in 1969, no. snigger, um, <laughs> then uh, 
You Why? must have come about this in some obscure way because who on earth are Led Zeppelin? And how did you find this record? Well, exactly, George. And those are wonderful questions. And fortunately, we have like about an hour to discuss our discovery of um, this amazing band and this flawless album. Um, I, in, in, in a full and honest declaration, I would have been mid to late teens where I would have heard on a radio um, in the Eastern Cape of South Africa, uh, Stairway to Heaven, somehow, somewhere, um, and in a bargain bin, as I've mentioned before, I've got a lot of a lot of value, and there is a, still there remains a lot of value in the bargain bins. <laughs> I, um, in fact, it might not even I might be speaking out of turn. There was uh, I picked up this double CD, and of course, you know, double CDs are twice the value, and for less than half the price, <laughs> you know, less than double the price. So it's like a value purchase, um, and it was uh, Led Zeppelin. It was an album. It was the, it was a double album, which was their greatest hits, I believe, called Led Zeppelin in South Africa. It was Led Zeppelin remasters, and it had this big Zeppelin that was, you know, air, you know, air balloon, hot air balloon that was looked like it was half falling out of the sky. Um, I played it at the um, at the music shop as you did in those days. We said, oh, "Please, can I listen to this album?" And you know, they put the CD oh, on and they say, "You go to." You go, yeah. You go to, you know, we're, you're out at, um, at at microphone set number four or whatever. And I stood there, and um, and it was like, you know, where the how knew these guys? Where are they from? And then you discover later that no, this is actually, as you mentioned before, I was a twinkle, an itch, a thought, a marriage. That this is these guys were um, unreal um, a long, long time ago. And you put it in, and it's like jeepers. These guys are, are, are unbelievable. So bought the album immediately, and then in our, um, you know, when our first, when we first started Flawless, I suppose there was the um, some of the the rules which we don't necessarily always talk about. One of the rules is, of course, um, as per Liam's guidelines, is no greatest hits, <laughs> which which makes perfect sense, and I wholeheartedly agree with. However, then when you're putting together your first iteration or list of proposed Flawless albums. You've got to go back and find, you know, well, Led Zeppelin had an amazing, um, you know, repertoire and and number of albums. What am I going to choose? Well, so, Stairway to Heaven's on number four, isn't it? Correct. It's not even and 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 I suppose you. I looked at them and I go, well, which one am I going to choose? And on from all the reviews, this is apparently the the heaviest one. But it's the one I suppose that that's either for the songs that I heard on the double album of which was the best of. So in full declaration, um, it was the one that I probably most that I most subscribed to to say this is this is the one. So um, yeah, I stand to be correct. It was even in in Port Elizabeth where I bought on reflection a number of CDs whilst I was travelling down there, um, and so that's why I chose two. Done. Cool. Nice. Yeah. So how um, how does two compare just in terms of style to the rest of the albums? Well, look, they from from one to another. I suppose you you got to say that obviously they're they're evolving, but they were workmen, and a lot of it when you look when I put the when I I wouldn't have believed it was necessarily remasters that they were all from separate albums. These guys punched out. Um, hold on a second, something like eight albums in 
10 years or something. Mm-hmm. They were prolific yeah, songwriters. Yeah, eight studio albums died, in 10 years. Yeah. Um, so eight albums, eight studio albums in 10 years. They had eight consecutive UK number one albums. You know, I don't necessarily think that they, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but, you know, they, were, they, I don't, they didn't necessarily evolve, but they were, they were journeymen and worked and worked and toured. I mean, the stats from it are 13 studios, five cities, three countries, nine months between the debut album and then this one, Days Off Zero. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Um, so I haven't listened and we to haven't all of them. Even end to end. pointed yeah. out the really important aspect is that they are English. So I just wanted to put that out there. That <laughs> we are a prolific bunch, so uh, it's very important to say that they are an English band formed in London. Thank, Thank you, you, George. And much. if it, if it means anything to you, on my double page spread of notes, it on the top left, as in the very beginning, it says British. Oh, um, I've got nice. this. And, <laughs> I, that, it's exactly the same in mine. Top left, oh, don't, first don't page, it says English. There you go. Um, and, and yet they were originally called, what was their original name? And, and I, I'll give it to Liam because he's no doubt got far more info than I. What was their original band name? I don't have that in front of me. What? The no. New Yardbirds. Nice. There we go. Yeah, I know, right? Weird. I'm glad they've changed their name. <laughs> yeah, it works a lot better. Led Zeppelin sounds better. way cooler, yeah. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things where maybe like Led Zeppelin sounds cooler because they have been around and been famous as that for ages. And maybe if they'd started out as Led Zeppelin and changed to the new Yardbirds, we'd be like, oh yeah, no, we'd new feel Yardbirds the same sounds way. awesome. And what, kind, what is Led Zeppelin? What does that even mean? It doesn't even have the A in there. I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe they're ahead of their times and it was LED Zeppelin and we've been doing it wrong all this time. Yeah. Wow, it's just, there may, we go. Maybe they're ahead sure. of their time. Sure. So, yeah, there you go. Well, they have been known. Like, um, I went, I did something naughty today. No, not you, George. Um, I know. I spoke to a friend of mine back in the UK who I've known for many a year because he DJs at Metal Nights and I actually told him in advance what record we were doing <laughs> today and, uh, and we were chatting about it and he was just like, well, jo- Georgie, it's the blueprint of all the metal you still listen to now. <laughs> I was just like, wow. All right. All what right, a description, back up, huh? Back up. Yeah. And he, and he was just like, you wouldn't have all the music we've been listening to for the last 20 years in the metal clubs and stuff. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have this without that. And you wouldn't have that band without this record and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, rein it in, dude. Yeah. You know, you're back in England. No, you're I think he sounds like a very smart and intelligent person i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie all of his favorite episodes he's listened to have been ones that grant's nominated (laughs) (laughs) and highly intelligent guy i need to meet him highly intelligent you'd be best of friends so maybe we can do some kind of uh he's got audio equipment maybe we can do some bring him in as a guest one day uh, and do some uh, time stuff that'd be good but anyway grant so um, there we go. You found you found it back in the day in a bargain bin, and yes. then decided to bring in the whole, go through the back catalogue and bring us this album. Yes. So my question is, Liam, have you heard this album end to end before? I think mm. I know the answer. I haven't. I haven't heard any Led Zeppelin album all the way through until this nomination. So I knew really? a bunch of the singles. Um, Cashmere is probably my favourite Led Zeppelin song. Out of, okay. all the, out of all the random singles, I was when you when you nominated this one, I was like, oh, I hope Cashmere's on it, which it wasn't. It was four albums away, which 
might have been for some <laughs> bands might have been like twenty years away, but for these guys it was probably only four years away. But um, sure, yeah. So I knew the singles on this album. Um, I recognized a couple of songs, even that probably weren't singles as I went through it. But I'd never listened to a Led Zeppelin album all the way through, or probably even paid a huge amount of attention to them when they were on the radio. I was just like, oh yeah, I recognize that as like a distinctive Led Zeppelin sound. But I'm mm. not I'm not paying a lot of attention to it. I'm not sort of doing a deep dive into it, which obviously when we start doing a deep dive made this like a really interesting album. I think much more complex and diverse than I was possibly expecting it to be. <laughs> we are we are complex and diverse individuals. Yes, know? we are. It makes so, this <laughs> such a rich program, you know, and the content is always you know top shelf. Um, good. Okay. Top, you know, top shelf has a different connotation for me. Top Shelf magazines uh, is what I'm thinking of, but we, oh, maybe right. we're Top Shelf. Top Shelf podcast. I like it. No, no, well, Top Shelf alcohol is, yeah, that's the most expensive oh, stuff that's up that's there. Way better, yeah. So, so yours is is risque <laughs> on the in the in the old world, I suppose. Well, yes, yes. Let's it go is. with that. Let's just go with it. So, first thoughts, Liam. I suppose. Well, yeah, like I said, I I was probably expecting it to be a bit more. Well, I I was expecting it to be much more straightforward than it ended up being, and I think. There's no better example than that, than, of that than Whole Lot of Love, the first song, um, mm-hmm. which you've nominated. You nominated a few months back for our best first tracks did special I? bonus episode. Yeah, you did. And one of the th- <laughs> one of the things we said at the time was that one of the restrictions that I'd put on mine for best first tracks was I didn't want to talk about albums that we were going to be covering on the podcast. And you agreed with me at the time, right? Which made me very disappointed to find out that that oh, wasn't actually the truth man. because this um. Oh. Yeah, it opens up just brilliantly. Lots of really cool guitar riffs and licks and nice drums and wailing for singing. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, this is this is what I expect it to be. And then, literally 80 seconds into the first song, it just dissolves into this like jazz-like break involving like a theremin <laughs> solo and like Robert Isn't Plant orgasming all over the of the microphone. Like I think the first, if people knew, I don't know anything about their first album, but if the first ninety seconds was people with my experience, going, oh yeah, this is what I expect from Led Zeppelin, and then just they just take it away so quickly. It's super brave to just go, nah, we're eighty seconds into this album and we're already pulling the rug out from what people might expect us to do. Well, at the time, they ripped yeah. it all out for all the radio. They did. Like, the radio just made their own versions. Yeah, they just really? took it all out and just went, yeah, there's a minute 40 of these squiggly noise sounds and mm-hmm. then they just went, they took all of that out because it's already five and a half minutes long. That's too long yeah. for the radio anyway. So sure. they took, they were like, well, we can drop it to under four minutes if we just take out all of that nonsense and just went <laughs> and made it radio friendly. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, like rock clubs and stuff still play the radio edit. Like, because sure. how are you supposed to dance to that minute 40 mm. in the middle when you're like you just start doing interpretive yeah. dance or i'm not and sure. there's a lot to be but said yeah. for that but yes yeah it's so a long it's like time. what what was really funny for me it's like i've been listening obviously to led zeppelin stuff just in the background more as like one of those classic bands that they've influenced as as my friend said the blueprint of what i've been listening to and so they've been there and all the hits and stuff have been around at rock clubs and um on playlists and stuff but i'd actually never heard the album version of whole lot of love and i thought there was something i thought there was something wrong with my spotify connection um because i was like what's going on you know when you listen to something you've heard something so many times and then 
something's a little bit off and, and I was checking it like as if it was a vinyl record that had warped or something and I was like, yeah. something gone has something happened here. So yeah, so it um that completely shocked me, which is really funny mm. because I've, I've obviously, you know, rock and metal music was a, has been a big part of my life my mm. forever. And yeah, so it was just really funny. But I didn't hate I didn't hate that bit at all. No, I just no, did your, cool. it was just Did your parents have a copy of this? Oh probably. They they'd have had some Zeppelin. I don't know which, sure. but I, sure. like I don't I don't recall ever picking it. You know, like I would like crawl yes. through the wall of vinyl when I was growing up, and and I would pick out things with interesting covers and stuff quite a lot, and then play that like ELO or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and then I'd throw that on, but I don't recall seeing it. But you know, there was that much. It was like walking into a like an actual record shop. Record store sure. in in our living room. So uh, yeah, so I, I can't recall hearing it as a kid, but I would have heard their singles. Like oh, I know I remember specifically seeing um, in a guitar shop. There was a sign that outlined songs you were not allowed <laughs> not to, allowed to uh, play. practice, not allowed to play on the guitars when you're practicing, and that included um, "Stairway to Heaven," "Smoke yes. on the Water," um, okay. and a few others. And it just had like this list of songs that you were like not allowed to practice with. Um, and so I was just like, "Oh, why do they hate "Stairway to Heaven"?" And then I got older and went, "Oh, because it's played all the time." Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there you go. So that's my fun story about a lot of love. It's an amazing song, but I didn't know a minute forty of it for thirty-five years. <laughs> it was was uh, old Robert Plant having um, fun. Yes. He was having fun. He, he he was having some serious orgasms at the end of that. Sure. Like, like you know, there's some. I I read like okay so this album is very <laughs> blues like 1930s mm-hmm. blues influenced right yeah um but my my mind is very much in the gutter so where it he says give you every inch of my love I have phallic references in my sure. head yeah um and I'm like I'm pretty sure it's that but at the same time it would have been like a non phallic reference in 1930s mm. blues songs so when you go over to i will get to it as well lemon song oh yes squeeze me baby till the juice runs down my leg so again yeah. i'm like what's happening there are we talking sexual acts or are we talking about squeezing me for money is my mind in the gutter but then i realized it was just a reference to a blues song about being squeezed for money and then i felt a little bit less Sleazy. Well, I sure. felt sleazy, but, but this is and it's similar to record. to the doors yes. with the backdoor man reference and the, there and is the a cover. Back, yeah. the backdoor man reference. Backdoor yeah, man, great. yeah, the, the, exactly. Like about, but it's about the you know having an affair with the person, yeah, you know, not about you know anything else. Pornhub, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> the, so that's great, awesome. Because um, um, <sighs> there was it was actually parts of the song were adapted from Willie Dixon's "You Need Love," so um, oh, killing who, floor. What's that? I'm oh, sorry, which one? Sorry, so, Holy, sorry Holy um, Love. 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 Parts of Whole Lot of Love were from Willie Dixon's yes. You Need Love. Um, and then, okay. um, so Willie Dixon wrote it, Muddy Waters recorded it in 1962, and originally it wasn't credited, and then in a, there was a lawsuit in 1985, which was settled out of court. Um, and that's why, wow. Dix, that's why Dixon has co-writing credit. So if you look at the writing credit on the song, it's mm-hmm. Bonham, Jones, Page and Plant, and Dixon, because he has to be acknowledged as the co-writer of the song. Sure. Wow. There's um, at least 
three songs that have got that. So Bring It Home. Of, mm-hmm. they, they got sued for rights over that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, and there was another one as well. It was um, Lemon Song that, as well. Lemon Song. Lemon song yeah, Howling Lemon Wolves. Song. Killing Floor. Yeah, Howling Wolves, Killing Floor. So, yeah. Well, so um, they were like so immersed in the blues that they were like, we'll just have it. Sure. <laughs> like, we'll why not? Take it all. Um, yeah. So uh, they, but they, they paid some lawsuits. But judging by how this charted at number one in. <laughs> Australia, UK, you got the list? Uh, US, Australia, um, Canada. Well, yeah, but then Danish, also Dutch, US Billboard, they got number one. But in the US Blues chart, they got to number thirty-two mm. with this album. So um, yeah, so it's seen as this rock and roll, like rock metal anthem, um, yes, like album. But it went to number thirty-two in the blues, but not in the rock and roll yeah. chart. So um, weird, and it's gone like. 12 times platinum in the US. Yes. Well done, 12 man. times. In 1999, that came through. But interestingly, I don't know if you read this as well, George's, they had advance orders of 400,000 on read this that. album. Hey? Good work. And it yeah, knocked I... off. It was the first album to knock off Abbey Road um, off number one. Oh. So goodness. these guys were, um, uh, these guys are serious business. And in fact, when they were in, when they were when they were accepted or um, into the rock and roll hall of fame, um, they said the uh, Rolling Stone said they were the heaviest band of all time, which I'm not going to argue with. But on the induction, they were they were it was stated that they were as, as influential in the '70s as the Beatles were in the '60s. Whew. Mark drop. Mm. Have a nice Then day. there's fighting words, aren't they? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Well, I mean, especially how do you? You must be must be really conflicted with that sort of a statement, George, because you're British and here they are, you know, going toe to toe. Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty. Happy. As long as they're you know British, what? I have brought you multiple British people, and that you have both said are like great followers to something. You know, I'm not pitting them against each other. You know, yeah. I'm not like that. I find, we all just get I along. celebrate all my. Yeah, all right. Get, I, lo- I love that. You know, if any. Any of my Brits get through, I'm happy, little bunny. So uh, I don't mind about them pitting against each other. It's all good. Okay. There, good. We, cool. There's enough of. There's so many people there. There's a lot of love to share. There's a whole lot of love to share. Whoa! Thanks, what George. a great reference. You're welcome. George. So casually just drop that in there. Thank I was trying one. to find some references in our um, messenger chats earlier in the week, and I thought, no, I'm not going to dad joke it, but you just went there like a grand, uh, a nana joke. So there we go. Nana joke. That's me. <laughs> so, so it was a way, because I've actually not listened to this album like properly ever before, to my sure. own knowledge. Like it might have been on in the background or whatever, and I've been hanging out with the cool boys. Um, and it is so bluesy, mm-hmm. so much more blues. Like literal twelve bar blues um stuff than uh than I expected. Like Liam was saying about there's more uh, variety um than I anticipated because I was just thinking anthemic rock stuff mm. that was pretty much no. where i was going with this um and then i listened to it and was like oh this is a love song and i was like this is a, just a solid blues kind of bluegrass bit and whatever and mm. just yeah and then you move into some dirty guitar 
buzz and pedals and twisting knobs and doing all sorts of stuff to make <laughs> to make noises because um, yeah. Jimmy Page was the producer and he would just yes. go in and he would a just plant. Uh, was it plants or I thought no, plants was the produced page. by Page. It, it was, was produced it page? by Page okay. and bad. yeah and Page he Page would just go in and just like start over some of the bits where there was noisy bits he would just twist knobs to make different sounds and like all over the sound desk uh, whilst they were like mixing it and producing it and so literally when I say it was just like they're going into a snob he that's that's literally. how it was described the process was described as such so yeah I think it was you can tell that it was made by a band that were doing something prolific mm. um yeah because when your friend Fair. talked about it, it's like a defining metal album when I was listening to it I didn't it didn't feel almost like metal music to me it much more felt like sort of bluesy and also sort of jazz almost improvisational stuff especially on like Moby Dick which I'm sure we'll get to yeah, it felt like yeah, way more just free form improvisation. Let's just play around with stuff and see what happens, and just but just funneling that through have very heavier instruments. So I I wouldn't think there'd be that many like pure metal bands that do actually play with blues as much as these guys did. Well, I, uh, it's funny though that a lot of metal and a lot of rock does come from blues. So yeah, um, I, I knew followed. the rock sort of stuff um, did. So um, uh, so the transatlantic bands generally have come from the blues sound mm. um where and use the blues scales whereas um european bands are more likely to use the classical scales and uh so that's why a swedish metal band would found, sound different to an english metal band because their influences are it will either come from american blues and r&b or like traditional r&b not 90s r&b tlc and all that kind of stuff um but and whereas uh there was a lot more classical music influence on like mainland europe um mm. so that's why the metal sounds different between the uk and mainland europe mm. um because they t- so yeah so even like the uk and america they took stuff from like even metal now still uses a lot of these same scales so it's interesting and they will still have um that lift and drop that they've got in some of the tracks where you've got your quiet moments of reflection and then it goes boom here i am and i'm screeching something at you and this is how it sounds for a bit and then i'm going to go back to in like introspective and Mm. there's bands like who are still going who are like known as big metal bands like um baroness and deftones and stuff who do follow that same like pattern i guess so that from this sort of era maybe i don't know this is me extrapolating but that's sure. why i guess they would say it would be a blueprint of where metal and rock and stuff yeah. like listen to now has come from i've jotted down from a website somewhere probably wikipedia to, to be clear Critics regularly cite Led Zeppelin II as one of the greatest and most influential albums of all time. Boom. Mm. Not that we need to... Not that that gets us across the line. Let's go back to the... Wholeheartedly is a flipping... No, it's not. No, it is. is, is, Um, Nine tracks, guys. Mm -hmm. And not... Oh, yeah. So we didn't do... um, It became out during the era of vinyl. So we had side one, side two. Yes. So, um, side one is one, two, three, four. So it's whole lot of love. Four tracks, bro. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, up to thank you, and then side two. So, so that's why thank you ends with that 
um, false ending with mm. the 10 second lift at the end mm-hmm. um, because it's like saying fade out, fade out, fade out, lift and Eternity. complete. And then, yep. and now, yeah, now it's turned the record. Um, and then before coming into Heartbreaker as track five or side two, track one. Um, yes. So it goes into Heartbreaker to bring it home. So, A different yeah. world. Yeah, I know. When you had to think about these sorts of things. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, so apart from Whole Lot of Love, uh, what tracks, Grant, brought you to bringing this forward as your flawless? Oh, look. Um... To thank you, beautiful, mm. beautiful, beautiful yes. song. Um, I do <laughs> well, all of it. I'm not going to discriminate. Um, no, but it's I a know, great but the organ track. opening of that, yes. yeah, and just um, the nice opening lyrics as well. So, the bit where he goes. It's just nice. I wrote the, so beautiful. I wrote the same lyrics down. <laughs> yeah, it's just there really lovely. Go. And, and uh, so Paige is playing a 12-string guitar here, which is why there's that moment that it sounds like he's playing a mandolin or something. So you've got the 12-string, so you've got the, the two octaves, and it just sounds so pretty mm. on the yeah. guitar. And it's and it, it's was and before that you've got the lemon one, which they are, like people can say in the thirties there wasn't you know squeezing lemons and graphics and phallicness. There's some as a teenager I would have heard that and gone oh. Um, <laughs> so you've you I suppose there's a bit of a juxtaposition there. I, I I really enjoyed Heartbreaker myself as well. Living loving it. Those are easy tracks. And obviously living loving she's sort of woman. That was the I'm not sure if it was a B side to. The the single of a whole lot of love, or yep. it was a, a it, single in and of its own. It was, was a B side on that single, yeah. Ah, okay. And it's such a nice fifties kind of like jive kind of. And simple, and easy, song. shortest song yeah. on the track uh, on the on the album. And I know mm-hmm. that I, I know I've brought it to the line in that this is these are songs that are that are not you, you can in inverted commas mess up, and the ones that have been approved flawless or agreed flawless have been shorter songs like two minutes two minutes 30 under three again i'm i've been fearless Mm -hmm. i feel in walking to the line with 49 odd minutes lemon songs lemon songs over six minutes it is that's lemon songs my favorite song on the album i think like it just Ah. it opens with the gong which is carrying over from the song before it and then there's like the huge chunky riffs which are super reminiscent of like Jimi Hendrix doing Foxy Lady and all that sort of stuff. And then there's like, so he's just slowly temping through it, super bluesy and chunky. And then it just turns into this like this barnhouse rager, like super fast, super tempo. I love 
tempo changes, like the up and down, up and down so quickly. It's really, really cool. And it comes out of that first up tempo bit with like a huge singing, like plant doing this huge holding a note. And it just gives me like goosebumps. It's so cool. Your and description there makes me want to listen to it again. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. now. Like after the song, this is the whole thing. As soon as, the, as soon as we've recorded the podcast, you can go and listen to the album. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> um, but the bass line in that is so good as well. Mm. It's just, I, I, I kept listening. I kept listening to John Paul Jones throughout. So he played the... Uh, bass and he played the organ um on this album so um i just like keep listening to the bass and going wow all of you are really good at what you do this is so annoying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you were just like so epic like it's so easy for an album like this to have something like the bass just hide in the background mm. and just keep it going or for the drums to keep it going or for the guitar mm. to be all wanky and that can be like its thing but they're actually all just really really competent um and like powered through um like and so i've written down bass quite a lot mm. just because like because i if you notice the bass like then it's really good bass because <laughs> i think sometimes <laughs> i think it's because most of the time it's so easy to forget that it's there holding things together and, but yeah the lennon songs is like that so that was as you say howling wolves and he but didn't wasn't that um his record label went and asked for the money before he did or so like it was the record label sure. and and did it without that without then even knowledge and still managed to settle out of court and got paid and I all think, that kind of stuff i think but, that was for bring it on home oh is that bring it home yeah oh, fair enough so we'll we'll talk about that when we get to that so yeah so they used to they yeah. were playing killing floor as part of their set list and then mm-hmm. they just sort of wrote a song that was inspired by killing floor but borrowed a little bit too much of okay. it and the publishing house that hold the rights sued them for them and settled out of court. Well, I guess they could afford it, right? Yeah. Probably the anomaly for mine is is uh, Ramble On and why that wasn't a single. Because I think that's certainly one of the, for mine, just about, after A Whole Lot of Love, mm. like, it's an amazing song and it's on my um, on my random playlist that I've got. But yeah. The lyrics did make me giggle that it was all about Lord of the Rings so that I couldn't sure. but laugh. Uh, I was just like, I, I was listening to it just going, he, did he just, did he yeah. just say? Shameless. And I was like, and then I had a look online and I was like, oh, yeah, it's literally just an but homage to the Lord I, of the Rings. I there think there was only like a short section that was about Lord of the Rings. Though. Like it was only three or four lines. Like they stand out because you can, once you start hearing those words, you obviously go, oh yeah, I know those it's words. Well, he, well but, he talks about Mordor, so you can't yeah, get away so from he, that. Yeah, so he says... is like there's there's a it's a very short bit but it sticks in your mind but also it's not really like you know i don't want to get all lord of the rings nerdy on anybody but you wouldn't meet a girl so fair in the darkest depths of mordor that that's kind of mordor's thing is that you would be unlikely (laughs) to meet a girl so fair in there yeah that's kind of mordor's thing might be my new favorite (laughs) phrase (laughs) quote unquote (laughs) from flawless all right, Liam. All right, kind Ryan. of. But yeah, nice that was, one. I really like yeah. Ramblin'. No, like it's got the soft acoustic guitar. Yeah. It's got the nice bass line. Stands out super strong, um, and it's kind of like a bit of a yearning song. It's got a real sort of soulful sound. Um, I think it's adapted. Part of it is adapted 
for you know one of those saturday afternoon like lifestyle fishing outdoorsy programs here and you probably haven't seen them but there's like from five till six on saturday afternoons there's always like you've described everything that i don't do in my life yeah exactly so um but i think yeah like great southeast or queensland you know getaway in queensland or something like that sure that i think one of their theme tunes adapts ramble on like I could, I could really recognize some of the the heavier. Once the electric kicked in, I could definitely recognize some of the melodies in there. That's awesome. Well, can, um, can I, can I, can I just take it back to Heartbreaker Please. because yeah. um, uh, that's my, I think one of my favorite songs it's on really the record. Mm. It, yeah, correct. Um, <laughs> it is really good. So that dirty guitar and bass fuzzy intro working together. Hello, that was sexy. Um, what a way to start side two of yeah, an album. Great like opening. If you you're introduced, if, like if you accidentally started the album, bought the album, and you put it on side two by accident, you would not be upset that you started with heartbreak. Not at all. Upset there with a whole lot of love. So I'm just saying, like that's one of the things that barometers I do with them. Um, if you get a, an album that was released on vinyl, if you accidentally put it on the wrong way first, would you still be happy with it? Um, so that's. In this case, definitely. If it started mm. with Heartbreaker, I'd be all over that. Um, so um, the vocals sit really neatly on top, like cutting through. It's that bluesy rock song, and then it's got the, the lyrics in it. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, that's that's so that's so rock and roll blues. Um, but then it's got this forty-seven seconds I counted mm-hmm. of guitar solo with no instruments underneath it. Yeah. It's just really good. Mm. Like I, it could it's have amazing. been a complete, could have been a complete disaster. Like to do that sort of thing could have been a disaster. But the way the whole song is built up, to in that way, in that rock and roll bluesy way, and then just leaves that space for we've got just some page time, just a little bit of page time with nothing else before the rest of the band come in for a bit of a party for the last 30 seconds and just make it a really good start to end like really robust song like it's yeah you liked it too it's one of those things where you could they could so and this happens all through the album is like there's these pieces that you wouldn't normally put in a recorded album so you could have made like much shorter songs tight top tight poppy constructions way easier verse chorus verse chorus cool stuff chorus done and then left all that stuff for the live show and just been known as the live band that plays around with a lot of the stuff 
and then records really tightly. But it just takes something special to just go, no, no, we're going to take that stuff you would normally only do no. live. Oh, like a wanky guitar solo that you would normally only get value out of live. We're going to stick it on there because we think we're good enough at it that it's not going to matter. And they are, so it doesn't. Yeah, they are. It's really, and talking of solos, are we going to are we going to talk about Moby Dick? We let's talk about I just a couple on. of things on Heartbreaker which were really cool. Sure. Um Oh it's, yeah. It's one of the songs featured in Nick Hornby's book 31 songs which I definitely recommend mm-hmm. everybody get. It's fantastic. Um, so 31 goes, songs yeah so it's wow. literally 31 short essays about 31 of his favorite songs and it's really really good okay so it's yeah, yeah the kind of music writing i would always aspire to um and nirvana covered heartbreaker for their first ever show in 7th, no. of, 7th of march 1987 and if you have a look on spotify there is a bootleg of it and you can hear them cover it and it is weird no way one of them <laughs> one of them, there you go one of them and okay. i'm pretty sure it's, I don't, it's not kurt so it's either chris or dave the, the track opens with I don't know how to play this song like you can hear them up on sta- <laughs> like the, he's up on stage the, obviously Kurt, um, probably Kurt's going hey I'm going to play Heartbreaker and Chris or Dave's just going I don't know how but they just go with it <laughs> it wouldn't have been Dave he can play anything yes but it's whether he knows it or whether he could just make it up doesn't matter drummers are good <laughs> they could do anything uh, that's really awesome I'm going to definitely check that out yeah that's super cool solid solid knowledge yeah. yes <laughs> so yeah let's talk Moby Dick oh John Bonham drum solo, instrumental, not a word uttered. Yeah, and this, this is that bravery again because oh. the whole song came about because Bonham was just fucking around in the studio and Paige is just like, hey, that's really good. Let's just make that into a song. And it's like, Unreal. how many people, I don't, I don't know what kind of relationship they had with the people around them, but how, in most bands, people around them would have gone, yeah, you can't put that no. on an album or it could be a B-side or let's just fuck around with it when you're doing it live. But they're just like, no, nah, let's just have a... a solo song so no sorry an instrumental song no vocals that's got like a 30 seconds at the start 30 seconds at the end and then just three and a half minutes of you playing around on the drums why not Why not? And then live, they he would play for between six and thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. And the other ba- and no, the other band members until his hands would bleed, and the other yeah. band members would literally down tools, walk off stage, come back, and then pick up their instruments, and then go, "You're done." Yeah. And then then they would carry on with the last thirty seconds of the song. Mm-hmm. But he would play for up to thirty minutes, or, or and until his hands were bleeding, like that. I love most stuff. I think I'd get bored by a 30 minute drum solo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we talk about, I was talking about metal bands and stuff earlier. Have you heard of the band Rush? Yes. Yes. Where is their pantheon in the drumming? Yeah, they're positioning the drumming pantheon. Rush wouldn't exist without Bonham. Yeah. They They wouldn't exist without Zeppelin going. We've made it okay to have thirty-minute drum solos. So Rush just went cool. We'll we'll do eight-minute ones. Awesome. No <laughs> I'll problem. I'll see you raise like, you. 
yeah we'll have a circle like you know they're the, they have like um four i can't remember his name they he has like a four tier yeah. 360 drum kit and plays around the whole thing and people it go woo it's neil like pert? you couldn't have done that without one yes thank you yes. yeah neil pert so um yeah couldn't have done that like um first time i heard like tom sawyer by rush i was like are you for real yeah. awesome um <laughs> but yeah so that's like that's another example i guess of where a metal band have been influenced by someone like like bonham who um uh, he's um bonham is the john bonham's the only member of the band who has sadly departed from yeah. us um and at his grave 40 site, years ago now is it uh yeah 1980 so he was only 32 at the time which is unreal and he um yeah that fans go and leave drumsticks on his gravesite so um and it's back in worcestershire i think in the uk wow. um and yeah so if you oh, was it, were they british i didn't <laughs> <laughs> sorry. yes sorry they're did british i not mention band. they're they're oh, a british band um yeah so um people fans leave drumsticks so you can see like pictures online of people who have just left their left their favorite drumsticks or their broken drumsticks and stuff yeah. like that on the graveside which is just really cute so it's just de- right. desperately sad, obviously. But um, yeah, otherwise, I believe they would still be going. And they've played um, since with Bonham's son on mm-hmm. drums for this. special events. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they all played, um, I think it was Heartbreaker. Um, they played at John Bonham's son's wedding. Oh, they cool. played... They played it at his wedding, which is just really cool. So, um, yeah. Also, not like, really a wedding there's... song. Well, I think it was hard. I could be wrong. It might be thank you because that sounds a lot nicer. <laughs> yeah. um, I agree with you, Liam. <laughs> yeah, I can. I uh, can might have been thank you. Was. Yeah, it's probably thank you because it's really cute. Uh, but you, but then um, John Paul Jones couldn't play the organ and the bass at the same time. So who, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, they've anyway they've done really beautiful things, and they've had guest drummers over the years to do raise money and uh, do big charity events and all sorts of stuff. So um, yeah, they've they've played they've been an homage to him, but they they never replaced him in the band mm. officially which mm. is i think says quite a lot about how Epica. connected they were yeah because yeah. at the, so, t- at the yeah. time when he died they just stopped so yeah. they went yeah. off and did other things and other projects but the, this, the idea that they would get a permanent replacement for him just never even i don't think you know wouldn't Doesn't even, they wouldn't even to. considered it they're just like no. well that's that's the lineup one part of the lineup is gone so therefore the band is gone mm-hmm. yeah so uh, but like yeah you, you you would i guess i think it's mm. just like quite quite complicated and um when you lose somebody like that so it's just yeah it's very sad i mean so, um, you'd think you would is, but we know yeah. a lot of bands who don't it's queen well, and adam lambert i mean and in excess and various people oh, sure where you'd probably really know, they I rather did. didn't yeah yeah maybe well i guess Led zeppelin just knew and just and they and they they bowed out at the right time, probably mm. too. Maybe like you, you don't know where you're going to go as a band. Um, so it was interesting though because yeah. they never, there were no singles ever released in the UK apparently. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's so weird because like and, whole lot of love got to like number one in Australia, number four in the US, and then I was looking for the UK, but it wasn't released there. Never released in the U- in the UK, and 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 I think that in that age where you know it was such an adventure. Um, 
to get an album or new music, they probably did very well to say, no, like, listen, we, we're, it's an album or nothing. Mm. And so, you know, for the, for the same effort, um, you get the whole album and you, you pay that, you know, as a, as, a, as a consumer, you pay a lot more. I mean, they've got, um, as one of the best-selling artists of all time, 200 to 300 million copies of all of their albums combined. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But we're never into into the single scene. I thought I find that intriguing and 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 probably commercially savvy. Although you know, as a, as you know, someone who wanted their music, yeah, you you sort of all in. You you no longer you're buying a record or you're buying or, or you're not buying it really. Certainly mm. in, the, in in the UK. So there you go. Okay. So well, the industry changes all the time. People mm. are stopping stopping doing singles and stuff now because they're it's just easier to release EPs. Um, online and just do it that yeah. way because they're not making money from selling an album so they're not recording albums so they're just deciding that let's release an EP of stuff and then we'll have like tracks that we play live and we earn money from gigs um, though not right now but in, generally yeah. people are yeah. earning money from gigs and not from streaming services so it's the industry is changing again mm. interesting uh, there mm. you go did we want to talk um, about bring it on home that brings it on home because it's got the harmonica in the start i thought georgie would have jumped straight to it i hadn't got there yet because i was just like you know you brought in a dad joke so do you want to like goodness me but like grant's the one who's like the dad and he's not even doing it um so yeah so it starts with a freaking harmonica it does so we've had a theorem we've had a theremin and we've got a harmonica. That's top and tailing, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've got mm. a harmon. We start with a harmonica. Why? Why would you not do that with your final final track on the album? Yeah, of course. Do a blues like a cover slash homage mm. sued, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so this one was like, written you- by Willie Dixon and then recorded by Sonny Bill Williamson in 1963. So they took the parts of the song, and that's what opens and closes the song. So their bits are in the middle. Okay. But their bits are so similar to the original bits just amped up and turned into a rock song that Dixon gets sole songwriting credit. So it's basically now oh. considered to be purely written by Willie Dixon. And yeah, they were sued again about this song and then uh, they considered it an homage, but um, turns out you can't just take someone's stuff and recreate it and call it an homage. Hey. So they um, yeah un- settled out of court again. Yeah, so that's three three songs, mm-hmm. nine, three out of nine. Of nine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, three out of nine you're sued for. Litigious. But... You are so you sell so many of the albums. You're like, yeah, it's fine. And I guess they they loved they. I guess if you really love the music that you are plagiarizing, you don't mind giving them money back for making Mm. you famous. Yeah, Yeah, and giving them the credit. And I mean, in theory, Willie Dixon, who's got double songwriting credits on the album, I don't know the exact details, but I would have thought he would have made a fair bit of money out of that. Over time, mm-hmm. sure. Oh, Although it was probably nice. actually it was probably held by Arc Music. So this was the one where Arc Music, who held the songwriting for a lot of the stuff, the credit copyrights, did it without his knowledge. So the oh, theory okay. is that he would have been okay with it because you know he's an old school blues musician. He just wants his music out there. He's happy with that. But the corporate copywriters of the world said no thank you no, thank well you. that's that's how the uh, record labels work mm. and mm. how the the people that own the rights to your music and all that kind of stuff and yeah yeah it gets a bit complicated 
I don't. That's why I've always, I've never made it big. You know, I just didn't want to, didn't want the complications. Didn't want the complications. Yeah. My yeah. Oh, yeah. Work. So, that's why I've, uh, I've held, held back. Desperately yeah. texting. Yeah, I know. Uh, Something we haven't really touched on too much is um, mm-hmm. Robert Plant's voice all the way through this entire album is just fantastic, and the like, the like he picks. You wouldn't necessarily say he's got a huge range of styles within him, but he's picked his lane and he sticks to it, and it's just beautiful yeah. stuff to behold well he does go from bluesy to like uh almost like a high-pitched i'm a rock star yeah kind of like there's, there's there's that range blues mm-hmm. rock star. <laughs> blues to rock yeah. you reckon blues to rock what else do you what Top else end. do you need you know <laughs> yeah. he doesn't need to bring out a falsetto he doesn't need to yeah. bring out anything else so you know i'm glad he didn't start rapping i think no yeah, i think sure. um i got the feeling that jack white listened to a lot of led zeppelin when he was learning how to sing because there's a lot oh, of really? okay. and, and some of the chunky riff stuff that he does with white stripes as well i think i got a yeah, definite all- like chunky riff and and that high tone wailing you know, not wailing as in losing control, but just really in those upper registers. Sure. Yeah, that would make sense. I like the, um, we didn't touch on it, but the second track, What Is and What Should Never Be, um, uh, yeah. that was a really nice bluesy, sexy, smooth bass again. And I was mm. just like, and that's where there's actual effects on the vocals for a change. Yeah. So, um, yes. Uh, there's, which is like, make it a bit more psychedelic, which is kind of cool. And it is a bit, that, uh... After that strong opening as well, it's like, hey. Yes, yeah, because they are, there's a little drop and there's <laughs> ooze. And you know what I like an ooze. <laughs> so, uh, there was and ooze. And na-na-na's and bass Yeah, na- yeah exactly. So, um, you know, we're, we're three for three over here. If there was some oh, hand oh, claps oh, in here, oh, oh. I would just be, or an oi. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But there, there is a lovely lyric. Which I thought was really sweet so because good. after the orgasmic every inch of my love <laughs> in uh, track one, it just Hold moves into something. Back. Yeah, it's just something warm and fuzzy and stuff sure. and they did it again so i guess lemon song was sleazy and then thank you was just and then thank you yeah they're, yeah. they're like yeah, hey yeah. i definitely think there was just range. enough nice love songs to to counteract the, some of the sleaziness that was starting to creep in there even not well, necessarily overtly it, yeah sure all right yeah. so grant excellent did you yes, do we have anything else you want to touch on or do you want to go to your final pitch no look i'm conscious i'm conscious of the time and that we've been pushing uh the limits of the of the reviews of late. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to go for final pitch and and just to to I suppose circle back to the new information in relation to George's highly intel- intelligent, refined, um, and articulate friend who states that much along the lines of the critics that Led Zeppelin two is one of the greatest and most influential albums of all time. Um, I am a stats man, despite. Um, you know, what Liam said of my reviews in the past. <laughs> this is a, a number one album in Denmark, Australia, Canada, uh, Holland, Spain, the UK, the US. Um, I've, I've, I've pitched in the past, I think on reflection as a younger man, that albums are timeless. And maybe maybe this is actually a timeless one as well. Um, 
because on reflection, when I first heard, I suppose the whole the whole suite of the of the greatest hits, you, you, this could stand in and of itself anywhere. I feel, um, and I wholeheartedly love it. And when I hear that combination of the the, the group together as Page Plant, you know Bonham and Jones, we were just it is absolutely amazing and. Um, I think there are probably more hits in here that um, didn't come out. I think researching it, I gained more appreciation for it, particularly in relation to Moby Dick um, and how this would have been an amazing, as you guys have pointed out, an amazing live experience. They were confident. They were, they were, they were workmen. This is a 13-studio, five-city, three-country album. Um, they didn't have time to celebrate the first single because they were already working on Led Zeppelin three. Um, it stood the test of time. Led Zeppelin to give me your best. Come on, George. What are your thoughts? <laughs> you look at you coming to me first, like I'm your safety net. Uh, oh! So, <laughs> looking no, at you, you're summer. like sure. So, so my friend. So, um, these four chaps, English. Um, they are all incredibly accomplished musicians, uh, vocalists, uh, harmonica players, um, in their own rights, <laughs> and it's epic. Um, so I was really actually quite, at first I was like, oh, do I have to? And then I was like, oh, I do. Um, so I got stuck into listening to this record and I was listening to it and I was listening to all the tracks and individually I'm like, I really like this track. I really like this track. These songs are beautiful. Um, I like the variety and everything else. And so I just really enjoyed listening. And I got through um, picking out certain lyrics too, which was sleazy because I made them sleazy. But then you <laughs> confirmed that they were sleazy. So it's totally okay. Um, so it wasn't just me, uh, which is all good. No, so, definitely wasn't just you. There you go. Nine tracks formed in the into a vinyl record, and there's so much epically awesome stuff. Um, but oh, I have no, I have. But I have a problem with this record, and I it. So I listen to it, yes, like a million times, um, and then um, I was like, "There's something that's not sitting right with me about." maybe the production or something or about yeah. how it's sitting together and mm -hmm. then when I actually sat down to fully immerse myself in writing the notes I was like it makes sense now each song was recorded separately it, mm -hmm. during touring they were writing it in the two hours they had before arriving and performing at concerts on tour as you say they couldn't celebrate um their singles and stuff and so they just felt like a bit of a disconnect between the album as a whole but i couldn't there's only there's certain points of songs where i'm a bit like oh i could take it or leave it but as an album it just felt so hurried and i just feel like if they'd had like a two-week break from their touring where they actually just immerse themselves in pulling something together there'd be maybe less of the knobbly improv stuff and some more fully formed sounds that i'd have been happier with and um, which is why i can't make this a flawless album end to end even though i'd probably individually pick most of these as flawless songs so i'm sorry grant i'm letting you down 
but this Not is an all. excellent album. Um, but I just, I wish I could have just gone back to 1968, 69 and gone, dudes, take a week off. You know, you just focus. You just focus, guys. And I feel like they would have been able to bring it all in and streamline, like make it feel like a like a journey a bit more than it currently does. But otherwise, awesome album. And I'm really grateful that you uh, nominated this one. Cool. And over to would Liam. You have, would you have, oh, yeah. before we get to Liam, would you have um, dropped any songs? I'm uh, intrigued. Is, I, I, you can, I think there is a disparity potentially sure of, they're on tour, but would you would you change anything or just in the production have it have it slightly smooth? And I think I'd move I'd move songs around. Okay. So um so I definitely moved some songs around. Um and I really did enjoy most of the songs, but I I feel like Living Loving Made I could probably I could probably drop, even though it had some it, I was expecting some R's and oohs in there, like fifties Greece style. So I feel like I could have maybe gone without that one, um, if I had to choose. But I probably wouldn't drop songs. I'd just I would lay them out in a different way and take I'd take myself on a different journey through this album um and yeah just make the uh, like make the product even though Paige produced it like I there's only so much you can do when you're in when you're immersed in one studio sure. and you're re- recording just one song and you're on a time and you're you've got a timer and you've got to get through it to that timer I that's what I think they were working against and if they okay. didn't have that constriction I feel like it would have taken me on that journey a little bit better sure. but I love Fair it enough. cool excellent over to you Liam uh, thanks um, yeah so like we've said they are four amazing musicians on every level They're, it's super brave like it's still only their second album so to go out there and just have you know like I said 90 seconds into the first song you've got a break for a solo and um, they're playing around with stereo effects like left to right side, which is really cool. Moby Dick with a giant solo, Heartbreaker with the giant solos, all that stuff's really cool, really great stuff. Um, Page and Plant, I think there's a bit of a history of a friction with them. They're known as sort of the rocks, one of great sort of pairings that fri- cause friction between each other, but also bring the best of musicianship out in one another, which is really cool. So I wouldn't have put Led Zeppelin as an album, uh, as a band that I was that interested in following up on. But yeah, I was really... Um, really did love this album. Uh, I also have a but, and that is oh. for Living Loving Made, which we sort of didn't touch oh. on too much because I I, I would have gone into the it shortest the time. song on the album. It is the shortest song. It's way more poppy in its construction, um, which like both. So the first two times I listened to it, before I looked anything up about the album, I just listened to it all the way through, and that song mm-hmm. stuck out for me as just like you've just done five songs of amazing top <laughs> top level construction and then here's this thing which I know you can do it in your sleep. So if it had been 10 short poppy songs like this, you know, I would have gone, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. But yes. sitting on an album with eight other songs that are these giant mammoth constructions, even when they're not super long, they're, they're quite big. And for the album to only be 43 minutes was actually surprising to me because it feels like a longer album when I'm listening to it. Yeah, it does. In a good yeah, way. It totally not in, does. Not in a bad way, in a good way. Like it feels like oh, yeah, I've gone on a real journey here. And so to have that song on there just really stuck out for me. Um, and okay. the, the short version is if it had literally just dropped that song, you asked George what she'd changed, I would just have dropped that song. And without that song, I would have said it was flawless. But with wow. that one in there, and also it's Jimmy Page's least favorite Led Zeppelin song, and they never performed it in concert. So I found that out and I was like, okay, 
I feel better because Damn you. I don't Damn like you it. Your good research. I don't like it. Jimmy Page <laughs> didn't like it. Um, yeah, the copyright stuff is a little bit concerning as well. To go three out of nine songs to just take sure. the bits that you need. There's also a bit of a thing around like it's four very white guys taking from black musicians as well, which is like not a great, not great. I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I would have got past that on its own. But um, yeah, just living, loving, made. I didn't like it. I did. I didn't okay. hate it, but I just did not feel it was a B side on Hold It to Love, and I think that's where it should have stayed. Okay, very so, interesting. Fantastic but, feedback, guys. I, I appreciate the uh, the input. So we um, I missed out on this one. The journey or the quest continues for Granty's first flawless album. And you're bringing great um, albums, and I really like it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be I on know. this journey Thank with you. you. <laughs> No, no, and so, that's fine. Um, I will get just it. Just to point out as well, my friend back in the UK is going to be like so pissed at me. <laughs> like, as well, because he was like, oh, what are you going to say? And I'm like, well. Well, what's um, his name? Tell him, name tell him to post so it in the group. Yeah. Post it in the group. He doesn't use Facebook. Uh, he's too cool. He's too cool for us. Um, yeah, he uh, he's called Andy uh, and he's back Andy. in the UK. There Andy, yeah, he's back in the UK. I'll let him know. So I'll, I'll just say the G man is like <laughs> repping you. Um, so uh, yeah, he keeps loving your albums, Grant. Thank you. Um, cool. Not mine. And, and, and one of my best friends, friends is 20. from South Africa is Andy as well. So he's like my twin from the UK. There you go. Nice. Twin there bestie. Cool. Exactly. Right. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Um, Liam, you can do the outro. I will. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Grant, for nominating a fantastic album. And we look forward to seeing what you bring us next. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are Flawless AMP on all of those. And we have a Facebook group, which does not have a cool URL, so you will have to get the URL from our show notes. Click on it there, and you will find us. We're also on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash flawlessamp. If you subscribe at any level, you will get access to all of our special bonus episodes, which are great, we swear. Uh, so leave us a rating. Give us some feedback. Jump onto the group. Tell us what you thought about us. Uh, every little bit you do helps to find more music lovers like you thanks again for listening and we will see you next time